from the Emory Career Center. This is On the Road to Happiness, where we're taking a deep dive investigation on how you find happiness, fulfillment, and justice in your future career. I'm your host, Gabriella Lewis. And this week, we're talking internships. Summer's on the mind so sweet we can taste it. And when the sun comes out, our eyes change color. Different, different, different. At Emory, the place where it feels like we constantly talk about our future is getting an internship. Sometimes, or at least for me, the whole year feels like it's just about finding that summer opportunity. It's all about connections, applying, interviewing, or financing an unpaid opportunity. But before we automatically assume we need to get an internship, we have to investigate the value of the internship, what type of internship to get, and if it's really worth it at the end of the day. I've always heard that an internship is good for finding a job, but is that even true? So here are some statistics for you. In 2020, 70% of companies offered interns a full-time job, and 56% of interns got a full-time job from internships. And completing internships increased job offers by 16%. And students who accomplished at least one internship received an average of 1.17 job offers, where in contrast, students who did not complete any internships received only 0.98 jobs on average. So it seems like from the data that there's a real incentive to get an internship. Or at the very basic level, it helps you get a job which will hopefully lead you to happiness. Okay, but now I'm thinking, how do I find an internship? And a good internship at that? A statistic can tell me it's good, but I need to understand its impact on my way into a happy career. Don Cornwell is the director of Emory's Career Center and an expert on the internship and job market. He's going to tell us about how to get an internship, how it helps you in your future career, and how that can lead you to happiness. Mr. Cornwell, can you tell us why internships are important and why they matter to a later career? So I think internships are critically important for students to participate in as it is an opportunity to test out an occupation or a work environment and see if they're in a um, the right direction in terms of their career trajectory. Um, I also think that it, a lot of students will use those for springboard opportunities or full-time employment. There are a variety of different programs that are available for students. Some of those are more corporate-oriented, and then there's sort of the nonprofit world. So those organizations value bringing talent into their organizations and giving them a learning experience and testing them out and see if they're going to be a good fit for um, their organizations if they've designed their internship program as a hiring tool or a way to identify talent early on and and make offers after the experience. So, you know, I think a lot of things, like you're saying, there's a culture at Emory of of finding internships, and I think it can be stressful for folks a lot of the time. I know that's something that I've experienced. Can you tell us a little bit about what's the best way to go about finding an internship, whether you're doing it kind of through Emory or just in the general sense if you're not an Emory student who's out there trying to find an internship? Sure. So there's a lot of different methods for searching out opportunities. There are uh, a number of job boards that exist on the internet that often have entry level and internship positions posted that students can identify and apply to. 
And then I think the, the networking piece is a critical part of the search as well. I recommend um, directly from Emory, there's Emory Connects. Now, this is a social networking platform that's offered through the, our alumni association. Uh, and that's a great tool to identify alums and see how the alum is willing to connect with you because the alum can actually identify what ways they want to work with students and other alums. And LinkedIn is another very popular resource um, and it's global. So there are you know, millions of professionals that you can identify on LinkedIn that you can be reaching out to for essentially a conversation. Um, and I think that's your approach is you know, having a first point of conversation to build the relationship first and foremost. I, I wouldn't encourage students to directly point blank ask for an experience. You know, I think you need to lay the put the groundwork in in terms of building a relationship, and then perhaps asking for advice, wisdom, and guidance as to how they too might get experience in that profession or in that industry. So, a lot of this podcast, we're talking about happiness and how you can have a career and also be happy and, you know, how to balance that too. That's kind of the thesis statement of everything that we're looking at here. Can you tell us a little bit, you touched on it earlier, how do you use an internship experience, whether that be summer, spring, whatever, to find what makes you happy later down the line to help you be fulfilled in your career for the future? So I would say that's a a process, right, in terms of finding sort of career happiness or career satisfaction. Um, And I would think that it really starts with looking internally, right, and knowing who you are as an individual. Um, We counsel students all the time at Christian and helping them to look at their personality traits, looking at their interests, looking at what they're good at and evaluating their skill set. And then most importantly, I think what's most important to them is is a values perspective, right? What is it they're looking to get out of a work experience? And so I think looking inside first and foremost and answering a lot of those questions whether you're going to do self-reflection and think about that yourself, or you know, I would highly encourage you to maybe have conversations with career advisors in our office, help start exploring that and figuring that out. Um, and then once you start finding that direction, I think the next step is doing research, right? So starting to learn and increase your knowledge base about what different industry is or who are the major players in those organizations. What do those roles or those work roles and functional areas look like? And doing some, you know, nuts and bolts kinds of research around that will help you to not only increase your knowledge base, but help confirm uh, what you might be already thinking about whether this is a good fit for you or not. Beyond that, then the next step, I would highly encourage students to talk to professionals that are living and breathing the kinds of experiences that they're thinking about for themselves, right? And I don't think you can do enough of that early on in your academic career. So everyone's going to have a different journey. Everyone's going to have a different pathway. Everyone's going to have a different lived experience that they can share with you. And so talking to a variety of professionals that do the similar work or work in the same industry will help to you to uncover um, the similarities and the differences of their experience. And then you can also reflect on what that might be for you. And if all those are checking the boxes for you and you know that you're headed in the right pathway and that this is absolutely something you want to do, it's at that point that I think we start talking about what can I do to start getting experience and test it out? And that's really what I see internships are, is a way for you to develop um, professional practice, if you will. You know, it's an opportunity to, to implement some of the knowledge, skills, and experiences that you're gaining from um, your Emory experience, whether that's in the classroom or maybe in your extracurricular activities, 
and putting them into uh, into practice in the workplace. And do you ever find students, you know, maybe they do a summer opportunity and then the next summer or the following semester, they come back and they tell you, actually, I didn't really like that, but this is going to inform the future. Do you have experiences like that when advising? Yes, absolutely. That does happen. And I think students do learn from that. And that's important to recognize, you know, that's not what they thought it was. I think that sometimes you can avoid those you know, sometimes it's unavoidable, right? You might think that what it is you're going to do is is all what it is, and you find yourself in a, in a maybe not the best situation. But ultimately, I think what you need to recognize, or what students need to recognize, is that you want to make the most of the experience that you're in. And if you need advice and guidance to help you through that, and you might not be finding that through the organization that you're working at. You know, I think that, that that might be another reason to, to talk it out with a career advisor and sort of get some additional advice about how can they make it even better. Mm-hmm. And also, probably it's good to realize you may not like something when you're still in college rather than when you graduate or have done a grad degree or whatever. Yeah, well, I'd say, you know, any experience is worthwhile, right? Even if you don't like it, you're probably learning something from that or, or developing a skill or making some contacts. You know, there's always a positive upside to what you're doing. And, you know, there's a bright side to it, right? So one thing I want to end on is kind of this world of unpaid internships. I know that this is something that a lot of students wrestle with, myself included. And, you know, there's obviously inherent um, inequitability with having unpaid internships. And I know a lot of students at Emory or otherwise don't even think about having internships because there's so many of them are unpaid. Can you give us some advice about how to navigate the unpaid internship world, whether it be avoiding them altogether or when you get an unpaid internship and that inevitably happens, how you potentially find outside funding or other opportunities that can make it so that you can, you know, sustain yourself? Um, There are pockets of funding, uh, Emory. There are, I know within the study abroad office, there is a little bit of funding there uh, for students who are going abroad to do research. There is some funding through the undergraduate research office. So if you're looking for more of a research kind of experience, um, the SIRE and the SHORE program um, would be the ones I would be looking at there. Um, the Ethics Center has a funded internship program that where you can get uh, go through a class and get credit for that. But all these organizations or, or programs that Emory have early deadlines usually uh, for participation in those experiences. And it's a competitive environment, right? So not everybody's going to get the experience. There's going to be competition for it. At the Career Center, we've recognized that sometimes students want a great experience and need a little extra funding to get through that. And we've created a civic scholarship uh, program, Um, but it is a limited fund as well. And usually that's exhausted. Uh, We try to dole that out over the course of an academic year. And I know that within Emory College, They're looking at um, the Emory Edge program has uh, some funding available for students who are looking to do internships as well. Um, So there are some programs at Emory. Um, That's something that I know that my boss, uh, Dr. Paul Fowler, has been in conversation with um, the development office um, at Emory University to talk to alums about, you know, contributing to these programs and helping to increase the opportunities that we can provide for students and help them support 
uh, students who are looking at unfunded experiences. Well, thank you so much for being here and taking the time to talk with us today. Uh, Really appreciate your insight on the internship search and how it can really bring happiness to careers long term. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to uh, seeing you this fall on campus. So as Don said, there can be some real upsides to an internship. At the very least, it can help you figure out what you like and don't like. And as the adage goes, you learn more from your losses than your wins. And sometimes you may find yourself spending the summer or semester in an internship doing something you don't really like. But it means in that in the future, you won't do it again. So if used right, internships can be an important step on the road to career happiness. But the unfortunate part is, not all internships are created equal. Internships may be a staple in every workplace movie ever, frantic scenes of running to get coffee or late hours. But as much as the Hollywood version of an internship can seem fun or exhilarating, there are serious dirty truths the internship industry holds. Though paid internships are becoming more popular, unpaid internships are still a reality. 500,000 to 1 million Americans work as unpaid interns every year, which is around 43% of internships. Students are promised to be paid in experience or killer resume boosters, but in reality, they aren't being paid for their labor. These unpaid internships are everywhere, but particularly in areas that don't take in as much profit that aim to help people like nonprofits, government, and social services. Students usually take on these opportunities to gain industry experience, but taking an unpaid internship is a privilege in itself. Many folks can't spend a whole summer not making money or having to work two jobs to make money, especially when students have to shoulder the cost of living, travel, etc. An unpaid internship ends up being an opportunity cost. Speaking of, this is something I've dealt with myself. It can be difficult and frustrating to not be compensated for your work, and even more frustrating trying to find other sources of income. I know this summer when I was looking for jobs and internships and knowing later that I'd be working an unpaid job, I was eager to find grants and stipends, but I had a really difficult time coming to that. But beyond just places where you can find stipends or some compensation, like Mr. Cornwell mentioned earlier, there are also avenues of Emory that are paid that can let you take on an entire experience of your own. Ben Garrett of the Emory Hatchery is here to tell us more about these opportunities. My name is Ben Garrett. I'm the Innovation Programming and Operations Manager at the Hatchery, which is Emory's Center for Innovation. We work with student innovators from all of Emory's nine schools, and we also work with student innovators sort of no matter where they are on their innovation journey. So that could be students who maybe don't even see themselves as innovators yet, all the way up to students who are starting their own companies or starting their own nonprofits. So something that I kind of want to talk about a little bit today is, you know, this world of unpaid internships. And this is something that we've been exploring quite a bit throughout this podcast of, you know, how do you not only find happiness in your career, but how do you also find, you know, compensation and those things are interconnected. So can you talk about how the hatchery provides students opportunities that are compensated? And oftentimes, you know, maybe when they haven't been able to find an opportunity that really can provide something for them on a monetary level how you guys step in and what those opportunities are. One thing that we do is we 
do have our own internships. So we have a summer internship program. Uh, and for us, that is really asking students to become co-designers of the hatchery with us. So we have some questions about the hatchery's programs or the hatchery space. And we bring on a team of interns and guide them through an innovation process to make proposals to us about what our programming should look like or about what our marketing should look like. And so directly providing internships is, is part of that. Additionally, we like to help students get internships. So whether that's um, letting students know about different sort of non-traditional opportunities. Uh, so some good ones are like the AmeriCorps VISTA program or a really cool social enterprise called Parker Dewey that does micro-internships that are paid um, or even some Emory programs like the Social Change Fellows Program. We like to be able to connect students to those kinds of opportunities. And then in terms of sort of the more non-traditional or crafting your own opportunities, one program that fits that very nicely is our Inspiration Microgrant Program. So that's a program for students who have identified some kind of problem that they want to develop an innovative solution for, but maybe don't know exactly how to get started. Um, and one of the things that we've identified is both on Emory's campus, but sort of in the innovation world more broadly, there's not a lot of funding available for maybe all you have is an idea and certainly not all I have is a question. And so we created the microgrant program to offer a $400 grant and some coaching for students who yeah, have this sort of like sense of a problem that they want to solve, maybe the beginnings of a solution, but really are looking for an opportunity to kind of take a first step and need some resources, both financial and then maybe in terms of guidance or networks to take those first steps. So that's some of what the hatchery does in terms of helping students to find an internship that is hopefully rewarding, uh, both financially, but also from a career perspective. Absolutely. And you know, that's so much of kind of what we're going through in this podcast is how can we find happiness in our careers? And, and this micro grant opportunity is, you know, a little non-traditional when we think about a summer internship, but an absolute opportunity that we're going to talk a little bit more about today. So can you just tell us how do you apply for a micro grant and some of kind of the opportunities to get the most out of that micro grant, whether that be on kind of the application side of like, how do I really, you know, try to um, set myself apart for this? But then also, also, how do, when I hopefully get the micro grant, make it an opportunity that really matters, that helps my current and also my career? For sure. So we have a micro grant application cycle each uh, school term. So we're currently working with our summer micro grant recipients. They sent in applications for late May and the program runs through... Um, kind of late August. And then starting in September, we'll be reopening the application to take in sort of our next cohort of recipients. We typically fund about 10 student projects. And this is both exciting, but also a challenge. The application pool gets more competitive each time we do it because more students are finding out about the hatchery and finding out about this program. I would say in terms of putting together a competitive application, one of the things that makes the microgrant program unique 
is that the application itself is very simple. It's only two questions. The questions are, what problem are you trying to solve and kind of combined with how are you trying to solve it? And then the second question is, why should more people care about this problem? And so in order to really stand out in answering those questions, I think identifying a problem that uh, exists at some scale and, and where there really is a gap, that there's not a great solution for this problem that currently exists and really making a case that, yeah, that the problem is very real and that it matters a lot. The other thing I would say, and this isn't directly expressed in the application itself, but as I mentioned, the microgrant program is very much for early stage ideas. And sometimes we'll get applications for a project where the student has actually developed a really robust solution. Maybe they started a club or maybe they started a nonprofit and it's been around for a little while and it's doing really, really great work. And as amazing as that is, it's just not a good fit for our program because we're focused on earlier stage things. And so as if you are thinking about applying for the program, I would encourage you to sort of think at about the level of development that your project is at and sort of ask yourself, is this a very early stage thing? Or is this something that I, I have some good evidence that it works? I have some kind of solution. And really what I'm looking for is to maybe make it sustainable or take it to the next level. Uh, if you're in sort of that make it sustainable camp, email me and we'll talk about other opportunities for you. But the, the micro grant, what you really want to communicate is that this idea is early and that you can really benefit from the coaching and the small amount of funding to get to a really early stage prototype. And something that I'd really love to go over is, you know, can you give us some examples of microgrants that have been happening in the past? You know, I think a lot of people can maybe think of, oh, a microgrant, that's for like a business opportunity or an engineering opportunity. But I know uh, from, you know, some of what we've talked about that microgrants are larger than that. They're really uh, kind of there to solve uh, larger systemic problems. So can you give us some examples of past cohorts and what they've really tried to go out and accomplish? For sure. Uh, and yeah, you're definitely right to point out that they really run the gamut. So even this summer, we have a project that is working on developing sort of a, a social media and like training campaign to better equip nurses to impact public policy um, and make it so that uh, nurses can practice sort of a wider range of different kinds of um, like, I would say basically be able to practice both more independently, but also to be able to offer just a wider range of services to patients. We have a project that uh, is working on creating sort of a community space for uh, Black creatives that allows for both artistic expression, but also mental health support, just recognizing that being a creative, being an artist is challenging. Uh, and so particularly from communities that are not as well connected or resourced as others. And so providing additional support around artists so that they are both uh, creative and successful, but also healthy. Uh, we're working with a project that is trying to figure out a way for programmers who have developed some kind of code, but maybe not a full product 
to be able to actually be compensated for that development work. Um, and basically to encourage sort of like the creation of individual components, even if they don't end up being full products. Because if you've ever been a coder, you it's really helpful to be able to go online and find just short pieces of code that have very specific functions to be able to plug into the broader project that you're working on. Um, but the people who create those pieces are often not compensated for that work. Wow, what amazing things. that That's so exciting to hear. You know, I think something that is important to also touch on is, you know, at Emory, we're really taught a lot of times to kind of, you know, think about a career, think about an internship, what you have to do over the summer, what you have to do during the school year is, you know, get the job that's going to help you get the job later down the line. And I can see from some people that it may be a little daunting to go, oh, I have to be somewhat my own boss. You know what I mean? I have to, you know, obviously there's coaching and whatnot, but, you know, and that's that's also really freeing. Can you kind of tell us how the micro-grant experience can be utilized to have similar returns from an internship, but be more creative, be a little bit more um, kind of in your own world, in your own realm? For sure. So I think that it's helpful to think about sort of both your, your academic experience where it's super obvious, but then any kind of career experience or club experience as developing translatable skills. So whether you know exactly your ideal first out of college job or not, everything that you do is a learning opportunity. And being able to identify what skills you are building, what networks you're tapping into, what industries or spaces you're learning about, all of that is building sort of your career toolkit and is giving you lots of different kinds of things to pull from whenever you are looking for your next position. And so on the one hand, I think it is really, really helpful to sort of think about what your next career milestone is and what skills or experiences folks who are hiring uh, for those positions are looking for and try to develop opportunities where you have access to building those skills. Right now, yeah, identify your next milestone. Think about what skills do people who have that position possess and how do I find an internship or craft an experience that allows me to gain those skills. But then also when you're looking at a job, think back about your experience and don't sell yourself short and, and really look at, yeah, I haven't done this exact thing, but I've done things that are pretty similar. Or I've done things that would help me to be able to be successful in this role before that translate. And being able to clearly communicate that translation will get you a long way. Well, thank you so much for making the time. Uh, really appreciate having you here and giving us such wonderful insight on this fantastic opportunity at Emory that really, you know, makes uh, creativity flourish, but also is uh, about just compensation. So that's really wonderful. Yeah, well, Gabriela, it was great to talk to you. I really appreciate your questions uh, and the opportunity to share a little bit about what we've done. So thank you. So as we've learned, internships can be remarkably helpful, whether it be a step in getting a job that will prioritize happiness or simply using it as a test drive in order to know what you like. 
Internships can be a game changer, but there's a lack of compensation in the world of internships. So beyond just being an intern, there are plenty of other opportunities that can provide similar benefits and paid ones at that. Whether it be an Emory microgrant that lets you be your own boss or a Parker Dewey mini internship or working a non-internship job, there are plenty of avenues to future career happiness. As much as we've investigated internships and how they can be beneficial, there's no shame in not taking one, especially every summer of your college career. I'd be remiss not to acknowledge that there may be more beneficial options to explore, especially justly compensated ones. What matters is that these internships or other opportunities nicely parlay into your first job out of school. The skills, connections, and job search knowledge makes it exponentially easier to enter the job market. So get out there. During your summer or semesters, take on an opportunity that will move you further down the road to happiness. On the Road to Happiness is brought to you by the Emory Career Center, produced by Frank March and hosted by me, Gabriella Lewis. Intro music by Emory student Willa Barnett.